What have we here? Welcome to the wonders of Thedas. Welcome to the Wonders of Fatus podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. I'm Logan. And I'm Jessica. And we're going to talk to you about stuff. Uh, fun stuff, I hope. Lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a bit of a... Uh, I find this particular episode a bit morally repugnant, but... Yes, you were almost not going to be here. Well, it's... that was because I had other stuff to do. I actually just realized that I had other stuff to do. I guess I won't be doing it. <laughs> okay. Protest. Let's is do important. this thing. And so we're talking about Templars, eventually. Yes, hence, hence the moral... Templars. Templars Police for your moral ambiguity. Yeah. Yes, please. It's not all that ambiguous, though. <laughs> Apostates. Apostates <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. As far as we're concerned. Um, so we haven't got any news this week besides the, these the whispers of Dragon Age 4 running around, something about them coming out in 2018. And I think they got the guy who wrote the, like, Dragon Age browser game, the last court on about writing for Dragon Age or something. But other than that, nothing. So nothing good, nothing cool. Nothing to warrant a whole segment about it. So we'll mention that, but um, we'll just go ahead and mention uh, that we're going to consult the Codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. Uh, we got a couple questions this time. Um, first, through our email, we have a question from Emil. I think it's Hyde? Hade? This one here? It's probably not Heidi. Hyde, not Heidi. Probably Emil Hyde. Hyde. Emil Hyde. Uh, your question was, quote, Do you know if Dragon Age is still up and running? According to my knowledge, nothing has come out from Green Ronin about Dragon Age in a long time. Do you know if there are any rumors or news about a second edition or something similar? So... Answers are, there are currently no plans for a second edition, although you can probably argue that Fantasy Age is kind of second edition, but Dragon Age is definitely still up and running. Uh, the game seems quiet because the production schedule of Dragon Age RPG is kind of demanding. Um, first, it's not it doesn't belong to Green Ronin. Green Ronin has to receive confirmation from Bioware for every update that they perform on a book, and Green Ronin has, and Green Ronin has to send them copies of the whole book so that Bioware can basically look at it and say... Yeah, this checks out. Or, yes, you definitely made a change on page 73. <laughs> and then they'll have to send it back, and it's a lot of go back and forth, so that makes it a bit time-consuming, and uh, it also com- uh, compiled with the fact that Green Ronin only has, like, I think, maybe a little over a dozen permanent employees, and everybody else is freelance, uh, and they've got dozens of other projects that they work on. They've got Mutants They work real hard, is what we're trying to say. Yes, they work really hard, and especially now that it's con season, they're all on the move. So they've got they've got a lot of stuff to do. Dragon Age itself takes a lot of time, um, but there, so books are going to come out kind of slow. But there are still some things that are in the pipeline that we can look forward to. <clears throat> they mentioned a while ago that maybe at the, near the end of this year that we'd be looking at a book called Faces of Thetis. We haven't heard anything about Faces of Thetis for a little while. We might hear about it probably next year, but. It's going to be a book about the people in Dragon Age. It's going to go all over all the important NPCs, all mm. the companion characters that you met in the video games. Maybe they will stat Flemeth. I don't know if you can stat Flemeth. Just a little card that says, I win. There we go. Yep. <laughs> all her stats Hello, are just... I'm yes. Flemeth. I win. <laughs> That's Goodbye. <the> <laughs> That's how it works. You can have, like, 
weird fake Flemeth that you can fight, like that you do in Dragon Age Origins, and win, kind of. Yeah. But there's also maybe an insinuation that she's in multiple places at the same time. I mean, she is vaguely godish. She does. She does whatever she wants. She's she's an interesting person. She lets you win. Probably. She wanted Morrigan to get a book. It was a nice book. But maybe, maybe Flemeth. Oh, it's Dragon Age Origins has been out for nearly ten years, for like nine years now. No. Spoilers. Eight, seven years. 2009, I think. Yeah. Seven years. If you don't know stuff about Dragon Age, you should be playing it in the first place. But it's, it's going to be fair game. So Faces of Thetis is going to have all the important people from Dragon Age. It's going to have the companions. It's going to have important NPCs. And will and they'll be making stat blocks for different uh, points of their life. Um, so, like, for Varric, they had, a, like, an old PDF of Varric, and they had Varric, like, at the beginning of Dragon Age 2, and they had one for him at the end of Dragon Age 2. Um, in addition to Faces of Thetis, some of the folks at Green Running have talked about making an Inquisition book. They, uh, they've expressed interest in making one, uh, because Inquisition added a lot of stuff to the Dragon Age universe that they could not add into the core rulebook by the time that they had finished it. So, they'll, uh, that'll come about eventually. We haven't heard anything about that right now, it's just kind of amusing, so... With two gold ennies under Dragon Age's belt, we wouldn't be surprised to see more growth very soon. Patience is a virtue. It will be rewarded. I don't have much of it when it comes to cool stuff, so we're, we're going to do our best here, too. We'll do our best. We'll all be waiting, too, and we'll talk about it when it comes out. But uh, next, we have two more questions from Matt uh, Piseki. Uh, Matt Piseki, maybe? I'm really sorry if we butcher your names, I'm really guys. sorry. I feel really bad about butchering folks' names, because people butcher my name all the time, and I always want to get everyone else's name right. Because you have that secret Y in your name. Uh-huh. Yeah, it throws people off all the your time. Your name is actually arcanely unpronounceable. <laughs> it's secretly, like, Indraconic or something. Probably. It's just dragon language. Yeah. But, um, so, Matt, you sent in two questions. First question was, if someone wanted to play Immortalitasi, what background would you pick for them? Both Circle Mage and Apostate, I feel, have elements the, in them. I don't really think that this particular type of character, end quote. Uh, Circle Mage is probably going to be your best bet. Uh, what do you guys know about the Mortalitasi? Um, very little. We talked a little bit about it together. There's not much written on them up. already. They haven't been explored yet. They're probably, they might be keeping it for later games, mm-hmm. but... Uh, but they, I know that they are the uh, mages that build mm-hmm. the tombs. Yes, in Navarra. Yeah. The death mages, that people call them outside of Navarra. But they're very important in Navarra. Death and politics are very close to each other in Navarra. Either way, you're going to be highly educated, probably, yes. if you are Mortalitasi. Mm-hmm. So, it, in the end, Circle Mage tends to fit better for an educated mm-hmm. mage. And Navarra is technically still an Andrastian place, so you're still going to be required to go to a circle if you are a mage. So they probably just recruit you, recruit new folks from the Circle of Magi. Uh, it's also possible that it's, her- it's hereditary, uh, with members of the Order giving birth to new mages and having them take up membership when they're old enough, but you would still have to go to a circle. So Circle Mage is probably going to be the best bet, or at least your closest approximation. Um, your second question... Um, which we might give a rather short answer for you right now, uh, but we might have a longer answer for you later, but um, you say, quote, My game is going to be a seafaring primarily. There's not a lot of info in the game for that. There's the Waking Sea Raider background, uh, but not a lot of rules on boats and naval combat. Obviously, they have a lot of the large-scale combat rules, and I figured I could use some of that, but do you have any other ideas for resources? I know looking at history that it's going to be interesting since only the Kunari have cannons, and that pre-canon naval warfare looks very different than post-canon naval warfare, so what do you think? And, like, End quote. 
End quote. No, yes. Um, Logan, I actually thought I might ask you as a possibility, how does Star Wars handle starship combat? Because it might be a good approximation. In the, the new version? Yeah, yeah. It's... That is something I am still piecing still together. Still piecing together. Oh, I have been yeah. reading. The, I've been reading that chapter for weeks now, uh-huh. and it's it's really weird. Okay, like it's still mm-hmm. the same combat system okay. as ever. All right, but it's on a scale that I'm I'm still not sure who's supposed to be gunner, who's supposed okay. to be not. Gotcha. Um, for this though, because it's pre-canon, it's going to be close range. What happened yeah. was in pre-canon naval warfare, you would literally pull your boat up against the other boat and just storm it. Yes, just jump just to the other side. Get on the other side and whack them to death like yeah. you would on the land. Pretty much. So then you can probably just do it through like personal combat and maybe have the pilot make a check for how well you approach them. Yeah, I would have. I would probably arrange for the captain to make a check and whoever is manning the rudder to make a check. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a command and steering check, mm-hmm. something like that. And acrobatics to cross between ships, probably. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you can just do personal combat as you all as you normally would. And then the canary. If you're dealing with Canari, <laughs> just, just well, leave. I'm not really sure that, like, as we were just saying, cannons change the game pretty epically. It's true, of course. Because then you... you're trying to actually damage the ship itself. Yeah, if you've got naval combat with Kunari in it, though, that means that you're very likely the other side is going to be mages from Tevinter, who got firepower of their own. Right. So you could, uh, you I mean. For folks who are not going to be going against Kunari and don't have, ma- or at least don't have mages on their boat, then you can probably just have the boats pull up next to each other and then resolve mm-hmm. with uh, normal personal combat. Yeah, um, I would just give a ship arbitrary. Like I try to think yeah. of a reasonable amount of hit points mm-hmm. for the size of the ship and what it's made of. Yeah, basically because there's so little about it, it would probably be best to just sort of uh, mm-hmm. guesstimate. Yeah. Or, and uh, of course, you mentioned that the large-scale combat, mass combat, you could probably make like an organization or like an army stat block for the two ships, depending on how personal you want it to be. And you can always have the crisis points be, you know, your character, the player characters jumping from ship to ship, yeah. doing stuff. So there's a lot of ways we could do it, um, but maybe we'll have some naval combat rules come out later for distant versus. Who knows? That could be cool. That could be fun. But not this episode. So um, you can. So hopefully that hopefully that helps, Matt. Uh, maybe we'll have a better have a better answer for you later. But uh, stay tuned for more stuff. If you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, any question of any kind, you can send a message to one is the thinnest podcast at gmail You can send it to us through Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, or our SoundCloud accounts, or you can send a personal message to Cot the Protector on the Green Ronin forums. So um, I guess we'll just move right on into our fan creation spotlight. Let's open our books to the Dissonant Verses. Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. Uh, Of course, but... (sighs) Welcome to the Dissonant Verses. We have uh, one from the community and one that comes from us. Uh, the first one from the community was posted on the Dragon Age Oracle blog back in August of 2015. It was created by a person named Greg, Craig Brown. Uh, they're called Spell Trees. Uh, yes, for the mages, who people who like to play mages, this is, yes. a, this is very useful instead of having to go through the core rulebook and flipping back and forth between the, the oh chapter 5 and being like, okay, 
This one's a requirement for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe made me what a bunch of spell cards, to? and that helps immensely, right. but this sounds like something that I could also super use. Yeah, these are images or visual aids to help PCs, uh, mage PCs, in selecting spells without having to flip through the book to see what spells lead you to what oh, other spells. Oh, for when you're actually selecting spells, yeah. yeah. So you, it's like, uh, it, it lists like all the primal spells, and, it's, and it lists uh, Flame Blast, goes to Flaming oh, Weapons, that's which just, goes to that's Fireball. That's super handy, man. Oh, yeah. It's handy. And they even go to Blood Magic, and they go to some of the specializations that have their own magics it's really helpful they include they have references to whether a specialization or a talent level unlocks the spell for selection so we're going to put them on our blog download them uh and or print them for your mage players and they will probably be quite thankful for this uh craig brown thank you so much for making them i don't know if you're still uh if you're if you're listening to this as uh, so the dragon age oracle went quiet a long time ago but it was a blog that i followed for a little while um th- thank you so much uh, the second object of attention uh, comes from us here at the podcast. We whipped up some abomination templates for you. Hmm. Did we just, uh, we've been trying, we're about uh-huh. to try another one of them out. We tried the yes. first one out last mm-hmm. week and it was, uh, it was pretty scary. So you can slap these templates on top of a stat block that's already in there and make your very own homemade abominations. <laughs> uh, and we just have... Just like mom used to make Just like... <laughs> If you can't import, the, if you can't summon the flames directly from hell, store bought is fine. That's, that's pretty much where we have. Right. Well, um, you can, you can, yeah, you can find these at your local grocer. Little potions that will, uh, you know, open up your open up your soul to the rift and allow ma- a ra- a rage demons to pop through or or something else and take hold of your brain, shoot ma- shoot fire through your fingers. It's fun. Um, we have templates for rage, hunger, sloth, desire, pride, and fear demons. Uh, we might add more at a later date, or you can use them as inspiration for your own creations. You can find all of these submissions and more archived in our resources for your game on our blog, wondersofthetispodcast.wordpress.com. And if you would like us to know about any custom Dragon Age content, or even send us your own, send a message to wondersofthetispodcast at gmail.com. You can send it through us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Caught the Protector on the Green Ronin forums. That's me. Okay, so um, we should get out that mage, ba- mage rights banner. Mage rights! Because uh, we're going to talk about Templars. This is our main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. So you're a Templar. Uh, you can turn to page 73 in the core rulebook to follow along. Um, first question we'll ask is, what what's a Templar? Agents of the Chantry designed specifically to police and control the actions of mages. And uh, Definitely, yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Who are notably addicted to delirium. Yes. Being a Templar is weird. But it's fun. Uh, so the Templars grew out of a thing called the Navarin Accord, which I think was signed like back in the Black Age, or maybe just after it. It was just after the Second Blight ended, and the Inquisition, the original Inquisition, dissolved and became, um, and after becoming uh, fully affiliated with the Chantry, they turned into the Templars and the Seekers of Truth uh, to oversee the newly formed Circle of Magi because they were, like, they were, they wanted to, you know, give the mages a place that they could actually be, they could actually exist and practice their magic in kind of safety, autonomy. So they made the Circle of Magi. And well, then safety. They, right. And then the Templars came about, and the Seekers of Truth came about to watch the mages. 
So that was that was a long time ago. And so contemporary Templars are warriors who are adept at fighting magic, uh, be it um, apostates uh, being apostates who are using blood magic, or that poor apprentice in the in the mage circle who loses control of a, of a demon and it becomes an abomination, and they have to strike quickly and without mercy. It is notable that the Templars themselves are not mages. They are Mm -hmm. born without any magical potential. Mm -hmm. But in order to fight magic, they are artificially granted access to the Fade by consuming lyrium. Ostensibly, Mm -hmm. they start consuming lyrium early in order to access the Fade in a very limited way so that they Mm -hmm. can create spell-like abilities to counter the effects of mages. Yes. This has a dual purpose that the Chantry oh, yeah. doesn't like to talk about, in that it affects the, effectively addicts them to the lyrium, and the Chantry is the only legal source of lyrium. There is a black market for lyrium, lyrium especially for dwarves, mm-hmm. but it's very limited access because, again, it's for dwarves, and they rarely trade with surfacers, with something as illegal as lyrium. Yeah. And if they do trade, it's going to be pricey. Right. Oh, yeah. So the effect being that Templars are not just angry agents of the Chantry out to oppress mages, mm-hmm. and though they do actively oppress mages, yeah. Yeah. They, are, they are themselves effectively slaves of the Chantry. It's true. It's true. true. Yeah. Sad. They control the lyrium trade, so they control that fix... They, um, it's been said, I think, by Alistair that Templars don't need Lyrium to access their Templar powers, but Lyrium helps. I don't know if that's changed by this point, because that's what Alistair says, because he's, has Templar powers, but, uh, because he's not part of the Templars anymore, he's part of the Grey Wardens, he take, he doesn't take the Lyrium anymore, but that could also be the, because he's Grey Warden, and that might override some things, or... I mean... <laughs> Grey Wardens also have some spell-like abilities granted to them by the Blight. It's true. So his Templar training might actually still grant, like, mm-hmm. the, the Blight might act, the, the artificially infused Blight might mm-hmm. actually act as sort of like a quasi-Lyrium stimulant for his spell-like abilities. Yeah. Good. Um, so Lyrium is your induction into the Templars. It's what gives you your powers, and, uh... Those powers are not insubstantial um, in ter- in game terms. What that means is when you take the novice degree, the, oh, let's say first, um, you're going to want a magic and a strength of three or higher to actually uh, take the Templar specialization. I love the irony of ironies that you need at least a three magic to join people who hate magic. Yeah. Or it's, at least are kind of fun. raised, are kind of trained to hate magic and fear it. You just have to be innately fairly magical, but not magical enough. Not that magical, but a little magical. Just a little magical. (laughs) Three is actually um, pretty magical. It is pretty magical. Um, The novice degree is that you gain magic resistance. You get a plus two on all tests against magic. Um, If you happen to already have magic resistance because you're a dwarf from Orzammar, you still have to take that uh, degree of the specialization, but your magic resistance increases by one instead. When you take the journeyman degree, um, you can drain mana from uh, mages that you strike, and I think it has to be melee attacks. Um, maybe. It's actually kind of vague. You might be able to, uh, no, with melee attacks. Uh, so if you hit creatures who have a mana pool with a melee attack, they lose 1d6 plus your magic and mana points, uh, in addition to taking normal damage. I'll touch my mana. Mm-hmm. I need that. 
And then uh, the master degree is you can actually scrub an area clean of magic uh, with like a major action that requires a lot of concentration, so you take quick penalty to defense, but you end all ongoing spells in, a, in an area. Even your friends. Even the spells that your friends are casting, you get rid of, you just, there's no magic. You make the world real, in a, in a way. Kind of like how uh, mages kind of pull on the fade to... Uh, pull on the world of dreams to kind of make the world more dreamlike and make the world more fantastical. May, uh, Templars kind of cement it in... Cut it off. Yeah, they cement it in realness. Like thickening the veil or something. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, something like that, something like that. But, um, let's see. Uh, how do you unlock this specialization? In the video games, you unlocked it by talking to Alistair. So if you've got uh, another Templar, uh, like a Templar NPC who's willing to trade, who's willing to show you the secrets of becoming a Templar, which is probably going to be pretty dang hard unless you have your own Alistair. And everyone needs their own Alistair. I mean, yeah. <laughs> everyone needs their own Puppy King the Second. I like Puppy King the Second. Um, uh, failing Swooping is <laughs> bad. bad. He can just sit on the throne and look pretty. I'll take care of everything. Else. <laughs> you you kind of do. I do. Hmm. In your save file. When yeah. you run when you run your own game. Uh, we're not having this conversation because <laughs> I'm going to keep thinking that it's my save file. Uh-huh. Uh, so, barring having a friendly Templar who can show you how to be a Templar, uh, there was a book that you could get that was called A is for Abomination. <laughs> Sorry. It made me laugh. <laughs> it's, it's a little morbid. Uh, but so there's a precedent for getting a book, and then of course um, going on a quest to join the Templar Order. Can uh, when you hit level when you when you're level four and about to hit level five would certainly make a lot of sense. So feel free. So any of them make sense. Uh, you can just go for any of them. Um, are there any specializations that complement this one? Templars uh, are likely not going to be complemented by. Let's see. I wrote them down here. Um, not complimentary would probably be things like Berserker, Reaver, and Spirit Warrior. Berserker because the, uh, the Templars are looking for ironclad, ironclad in personality and, uh, and, uh, an armament. Uh, Reavers because you have to dip into blood magic to become a Reaver. Generally a problem. Generally a problem. For most people, not just Templars. And What's then... wrong with blood <laughs> magic? It's just a little atrocious. Only a little bit. <laughs> it just lets to you. Everything you love. It just lets you boil people's blood inside their bodies. You know that's 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 just what I do every day. It's fine. I'm... It's just fine. It'll be great. You know one that would probably work pretty darn well. Uh huh. Like another specialization that would complement. Yeah. Guardian probably be pretty good. Yes, guardians are probably a very popular second spot for uh, Templars. As you are protecting folks, especially for the kinder Templars who are all about, who actually Just take, want to a, protect who, people. who actually like want to protect their mages, who remember the whole thing about how mages are, you're supposed to be protecting mages from the outside world as just as much as you're protecting mages from, the, protecting, the, world from the, mages. protecting the rest of the world from mages. Um, another complimentary one is champion. If you want to be a chant, Templars tend to be good lead, tend to be strong leaders, mm-hmm. or at least higher level Templars tend to be strong leaders. Um, you probably would not take Spirit Warrior, because that involves a bit of magic. Although if you do, they there, make, there's some interesting possibilities they for role play there. They mix pretty well. They mix pretty well. Although most people are probably going to think you're an abomination once you start got weird magic 
poofing around mm. you and you could might have might have issues with your spirit warrior mode still being active if you cleanse an area of magic maybe depending on your gm but um you uh being a chevalier is kind of eh about being a templar you're probably not just not going to have the time to commit to both organizations because yeah, they're both are, pretty that's, demanding. That's two separate military organizations. You're probably not going to be able to get to both. So, uh, oh, and a question, and another thing we wanted to talk about was uh, just so you can you know know what Templars might look like is what characters in the Dragon Age universe have, would probably have taken the specialization. Um, the one who's most recent and probably has been in the most publications so far is Cassandra Pentagast. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Dragon Age 2, Inquisition, and her own movie, The Dawn of the Seeker. She has Which the Templar spec. It's really good. Definitely. She's technically a Seeker of Truth, so they still get Templar abilities, but they come about it differently. We might talk about that in another podcast. Mm. Still, I imagine that the Templar archetype, would, or mm. not archetype, the, the Templar, Templar, Templar spec, spec would, would be yeah. appropriate. Also, uh, Cullen. Of course, Cullen shows up in Dragon Age Origins, Dragon Age 2, and Dragon Age Inquisition. He's in every single one. Yeah. He shows in about every one. He's a wedge character. He is. He is a wedge character. Inexplicably surviving all of these terrible things <laughs> while in no way actually forwarding the plot. It's true. That's weird. Why yeah. have I not thought of that before? He's the Wedge Antilles of Dragon Age. <laughs> he is. He's the Wedge Antilles. Well, there you all go. Right. Well, there we go. Good for him. Established. <laughs> uh, and of course, Alistair. We mentioned him a couple times. Um, how much he uses his Templar stuff by Dragon Age Inquisition, we're not sure. Whether he's uh, a Grey Warden, or whether he's the King of Ferelden, or whether he's dead. Uh, dead. Well, he, I, he, I don't think he he could leave the Templar. Leave the te- I mean, he leaves the Templars by the time Dragon Age Origins starts. But mm-hmm. that's true. He ends, he ends also, up being a wandering drunk. There is that weird ending where he ends up being a wandering drunk. He shows up still in Dragon Age Two. We don't really. I don't know what happens to him in Inquisition after that, but. Uh, and of course, there's Samson, uh, from who shows up in Dragon Age Two first and becomes a potential villain in Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, Evangeline from the Dragon Age Asunder novel, which is where the novel where Cole came from. Highly recommend that one. Um, Cole is the best. Yes. Uh, there's a gentleman named Cairn who comes from the Dragon Age Redemption web series that Felicia Day did. It's the one about Talus. It's cool. Check it out. And of course, potentially uh, Carver Hawk. From Dragon Age 2 and Meredith. Mm-hmm. Meredith. I like my Templars with a side of crazy. It's a little bit <laughs> of crazy. And Meredith is the one for you. Maybe she was the first red Templar. Because she had all that red lyrium going on. She had it made it into a sword, but it was still talking to her. Still made no, her just as short, crazy. She's crazy. She's definitely crazy. Do you We're know not going to protect you from spoilers, but neither should we... I'm going to become the best Templar. I'm going to protect everyone from from magic. How are you going to do that? I'm going to descend slowly into violent (laughs) madness. Good good job. Uh, Good. Are are you sure that's the best possible choice? Are you questioning me? (laughs) No. Good. That's the best choice. Now round up those mages and put them in the gallows. Is that a good idea? Why? Yeah, you know. Yeah. That's it's not, an that's, idea. It's my idea. That sounds like a question. <laughs> um, so, is this spec race and region specific? Kind of, but also it's very really. human centric. It's very humanocentric. 
It's temp the in terms of regional, it is hinted that Tevinter has their own idea of they what do. a Templar is. They have their own Templar order, yes, and it's very different. Um, but for the most part, if you're in an Andrastian land, so mostly places in the south, you're probably not going to find a lot of Tevinters in Ravain, and definitely not in Parvalin, probably. <laughs> You'd think that the Kunari would love to love the whole like becoming Templar stuff, but they also might be a little squicky about drinking the lyrium. Also, it's not part of the king. <laughs> the coon. The king. You, you can just say coon. The king. You don't, you don't. No, we have to now. You don't understand. It's, it's happened. <laughs> it keeps it's happened. happened. It keeps happening, and now even I have to do it. You have to make sure it's at least three vowels. The king. <laughs> See, and it's also really like awkwardly satisfying. <laughs> it's the coon. It's the king. Because they're the kunari, the people yes, of I, the coon. I am, I am linguistically, <laughs> I mean, I'm more of the linguistic background but but you know i'm gonna blame jill and sarah that's fair that's fair um so it's kind of region specific mostly andrastian lands and uh it's very humanocentric um non-human templars are incredibly rare Mm -hmm. i think there's so far i think there's only been like one confirmed dwarf templar although they make excellent templars and Are there any elven templars? As far as I know, I mean, I haven't seen any in the video games. Elves, elves are far too magic touched to natively yeah. become mm-hmm. a also, templar. Also, they're far too elf for anyone in any Andrastian mm. land to want to put, give them any sort of power. Right. I guess an elf, an elf certainly, I guess certainly could become a templar. Just finding folks who'd want to let them be one. Yeah, good luck with that. Probably be the real challenge. Also, then you'd have to deal with the fact that just about everyone else who is of your race is going to resent you. Yeah. And everyone else who isn't of your race is also going to resent you. you. Yeah. This is the best way to have no friends. Templars are weird. They look for unshakable faith in the maker and their recruitment first, and and a sterling moral compass as a distant second. Because and because being a Templar is difficult and requires some and requires you to make difficult decisions sometimes. They really don't even require the unflappable belief in the Maker because they just... Right. They, do you believe in the Maker? Sure. Do you believe that the Maker wants you to take this lyrium? Yes. We don't care beyond <laughs> this. Now you're addicted to us. We own you. Perfect. Awesome. You're in. So, um, being, a, being a Templar is fun. Uh, so if you want to be a good Templar... What are some focuses you want to take? Um, Templars get a good education based on uh, education based on the, something that a noble might get. So a lot of cunning and lore focuses would probably make sense. And uh, arcane lore is probably something you would be probably. aware of. Uh, they teach a lot of history, so history historical lore probably makes sense. Um, if you want to resist a lot of magic, you'll probably want to take the magic entropy and spirit focuses. Um, those are the ones you'll be rolling. Those uh, I think. Those tend to mess with people the most. Yeah. Entropy and spirit spells, when they are resistible, usually require a magic test to make, so you're going to want to probably put at least one focus on one of those. Obviously, strength, might, and constitution, stamina. Definitely. Dexterity, acrobatics. All three of those are your three of your big uh, tests that you're going to make to avoid. Mm -hmm. Very good for resistant magic. And you're probably going to take willpower, faith. I mean, just just do it. Because you're a Templar. Yeah. And they'd like you to. Unless you're, you know, a doubting Templar. Uh, <laughs> courage and self-discipline are all uh, are excellent willpower focuses for resisting spells, self-discipline, and faith, especially for blood magic. 
Um, the talents that you're likely going to take for being a Templar, uh, you're probably going to be trained in shield use. So weapon and shield is going to be a very likely talent line that Templars take. Templars, uh, A lot of Templars use um, weapons and shields because shields are supposed to be good for getting in between spell effects and you. So you can angle and you kind of angle them down to make the acid splash away from you. Um, Templars are very recognizable by their heavy suits of armor, but uh, Templars put special importance into their armor. Uh, they they often favor gaining the master level of the armor training talent because you get half your armor rating against penetrating damage, which is a big deal. Which means yeah, that be... actually shuts down a really big component of a very powerful spell that I like a lot. Oh yeah, which one? Telekinetic weapons. Yeah. If you're playing that with a rogue who can do all penetrating damage, mm -hmm. usually that just wrecks everybody's nonsense. Yes. But Templars, if you've got yeah. the mastery of uh, armor, then even the rogue that has telekinetic weapons can't do full penetrating damage. It's true. Um, and higher ranking Templars are usually good commanders and strategists, so command would be probably be a good talent, but uh, check with your gym to see how many NPCs you guys are going to be bringing into combat with you, because... Command is really good for leading folks, but not necessarily your fellow party members, but your GM might let you. So, let's see. Um, can this cause complications in your party? <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Maybe. Probably. Especially if you've got mages in your party. Um, especially if you have apostates in your party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something important to remember when you're role-playing a Templar is that by and large, most Templars don't hate mages. Mm -hmm. In fact, they work so closely with mages, especially if they work in the circle, that they usually develop this sort of, like, affection towards yes. mages. Mm -hmm. They're very wary of them, oh, and yeah. they're very cautious around magic being raised from birth, pretty much, to believe in the awful and evil power of magic should it go unchecked. But they live so, and they live in closely. They live in, they live and work so closely with mages that they usually develop this sort of like brotherly affection for mm. them. You're dangerous. The need not apply. Right, you're dangerous. <laughs> but I'm here to protect you and others from yourself. And yes. it can be very patronizing at times. <laughs> and it can be very, like almost aristocratic the way that they treat mages. Mm -hmm. But it does come from what they believe a good place. If you are an apostate, hmm. you are not just a danger, you are actually a sinner in the eyes of the maker. Oh, yeah. And they want you dead. <laughs> they take it... Th there are various ways to play a Templar hunting an apostate. One is the, the stereotypical fervent zealot out to oh, yeah. protect people from the dangers of magic... Uh, another way I've seen it played, especially in the video games, is the Templar firmly believes that the mage is now a sinner in the eyes of the maker and must, for their own good, be put to death. Yes. Ooh. Which is equivalently terrifying. Mages are, mages are, are doubly fearful of Templars because once the Templars go on the warpath, their faith is so ironclad that there is no reasoning with them. And the lyrium addiction actually fuels this faith. It creates oh, it creates a single it, it actually creates a single mindedness within them oh, that is cultivated <laughs> through their training. That the maker is all that matters, and the chant of light is all that matters. Mm. And so, a, a templar on the warpath will 
justify it any way that they can because oh, yeah. they they believe that they are in the moral right and they will find a way to justify that moral right and it creates a very dangerous zealotry. Yes. So be very careful with how your players especially are going to be portraying Templars, especially if it's going to cause animosity between mm. player characters. You remember that uh what we were talking about last time, the thing we should make into a sound clip and just put in talk to your GM. Yes. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's an, that's an important soundbite. I got to make one. You should talk to your GM. You should talk Especially to him. Especially if you're going to have somebody who's an apostate and somebody who's a Templar. Or even if you're going to have somebody who's a circle mage and somebody who's a Templar. Templars and magic, mm-hmm. you need to make sure you know where mm-hmm. each party member lies and how you're going to make sure that your party, if necessary, is not going to straight up kill itself. You're, and you are also going to have to, if you play a Templar, you're going to have to think about the way you're going to interact with a circle mage that is in the circle, a circle mage that is on a journey. Mm-hmm. Because there are circle mages that are perf- that are not apostates, they are still doing the will of the maker, but they're just out doing their thing. Yes. An apostate, and then a maleficarum. Mm-hmm. Which is an apostate who does blood magic. And many yeah. Templars will not distinguish between the two. Right. Some True. Templars do distinguish between an apostate and a maleficarum. In fact, I, there are a few Templars in the game that just wish to seek an apostate and actually bring them to trial... Because they might be, they might have heard from the maker. Because a lot of Templars believe that uh, mages, while the Fade gives them access to the demons, it also gives them access to the virtues and the voice of the maker. And a few of them see this as a divine act. And so if a mage goes apostate, it could be because it's the will of the maker. Someone like Leliana especially is Mm. going to believe that. Oh, definitely. Lely is really cool. Lely's cool. So you can get Templars that are very that that are less overbearing, must destroy, and what more. Thirsty. What mm-hmm. to what extent is this the will of the Maker, and how right. can I further the will of the Maker? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. even wanting to bring apostates into mm. the circle, like yeah. uh, bring the, them to the right, bring yeah, them to the light, make them circle mages. If they are not dangerous apostates, although most apostates are seen as dangerous. There is not one single Templar, however, that will tolerate a Maleficarum. No. No. Their training is too too rough on them about that. If you use blood magic... That's pretty much the end of you. That's it. And the Templars know where you are, that's that's kind of the end for you. So if you have a Templar and a blood mage in a party... (laughs) You're going to have a problem. You're going to have a bad time. Yeah. You make some good roleplay, but... Expect it would also make for a very short-lived party. It would also make for some really sudden PvP. Yeah. Maybe avoid that. Maybe avoid that. Because there are definitely Templars who are on the flip side of all that. Who are, you know, who have been trained to react to when mages become abominations. They have to act immediately because abominations can cause a lot of destruction. Especially if they can get out of the communities that are out of the, like, the main circles that are holding them. So they have to act quickly with impunity and strike the... Abominations down fast. There's also the fact that an abomination that is newly formed is yes. adapting to its physical form. It's true. And so they, there is a window of opportunity to act mm-hmm. in the first few seconds, mm-hmm. and yes. Templars are trained to take that. So they usually are very excited to find... They're also very excited to find folks who are have strong belief in the Maker, uh, to the exclusion of everything else, because it means that they can do that. With, uh, if, and if the Templar has a strong connection with the Mage, and that Mage becomes an abomination, they might hesitate, and that mm-hmm. could cause a lot of devastation. So it's... 
It's gru it's gru it's cruel. Also be careful but... if you're a spirit healer. I mean in, in a way you're kind of becoming an abomination. Yeah. Just sort of in a, you're, you're cool though. But if a, if a Templar maybe didn't know what was going on when right. you did that, there, there could be known. some issues. Some Templars are not, un, they don't understand the difference between the virtues and the demons. Definitely not. And if you are possessed or have a moat of virtue within you uh, as a mage, you have to be very careful around Templars because it'll just appear to be good magic most of the time. Mm-hmm. But if your virtue comes through, you yeah. will have to... Yeah. Explain. <laughs> Explain yourself. So, be careful. Be careful. Have fun. Templar's cool, and it can make some really excellent roleplay role play opportunities, but be be careful with it. And there are some better ways to play it than, well, I mean, if, if it works for your campaign, you should do it. Made rights. But, made So, Templars are cool. Templars are neat. Templars are scary. Templars are fun. You should give one a try next time. You, you next could have chance totally to... rhymed that with sweet. Oh, man. Wasted opportunity. Wasted opportunity. Well, uh, let's get out of here before I uh, before I cack it up again. Uh, <laughs> this is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. This is Logan wishing you a peaceful and coffee-filled evening. And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feels. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. You all have a great day. Uh, enjoy Dragon Age. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Pouncelot. Who knighted him? Is that a serious question? Did he have a little sword or just his claws? I bet he had a dashing cap with a feather in it. Would you stop making fun of my cat? Oh, no hat then. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to rule Ferelden peacefully, keep this one thing in mind. Don't insult their dogs. Ah, yeah. They love their dogs. Dogs are great. And their dogs are pretty great, to be fair. Their dogs are pretty That's awesome. That's a purebred Mabari. I'll let you into the prison. Oh, is he sick? Quick, get him inside. <sighs> the dog does the persuasion checks. Sten be like, wow. Sten's like, how are you doing that? And then, I'm sacred. And then Sten can just get past the third one. Because you look like you're being bored here. You know what? I am being bored here. I was we were, I was I, at, <laughs> I was at Ian's um bachelor party yesterday mm-hmm. and we went up to Dave and Buster's mm-hmm. to just play arcade games all day. Mm-hmm. And there you was were with thing. that group. I was at the bachelorette party. I was about to grab I I was about to play a game and I grabbed the handle and it was sticky and I was just like, Well, now I have to go burn this hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, time to die. <laughs> I've lived a good one. Well, well it's been okay. <laughs> Goodbye, world. <laughs> It's like, I don't even know what this is. I don't even know what thing has touched this. This could be any sticky. I have to die. <laughs> Clearly, I have to die. Well, shame. Shame. Well, goodbye, world.